just come down there and take you by the hand pull you out of your chair don't feel bad at me okay I'm just gonna make sure there's no rigor mortis sitting in <laughs> hallelujah oh you old dry bones hear the word of the Lord <laughs> hallelujah if you have your Bibles I'm gonna have you open them in just a moment Always a pleasure to have Sister Laureen with us in service. Always a treat when she can come home and be with us and bring her husband with her. Praise God. And if you think I'm taking a moment, it's because I'm finding my, uh, my wonderful notes. Hallelujah. And I think I just found them. You're in trouble. Hallelujah. You doing all right, Brother Kevin? I am. All right. I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to cut loose. You going to help me? All right. All right. You and me, bub. Here we go. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Hallelujah. We will be having communion uh, right after the message, so I thank you all to just really talk to God and draw close to the Lord while we're preaching, and you'll have a chance to pray a little bit, and then we're going to have communion together, observe the Lord's Supper. I'm going to Acts 16.25. You've got your Bibles. I'm ready. Looking for a reader. You know, it's funny when you say that, everybody goes. <laughs> Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, sang praises unto God. Prisoners heard them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And tonight, I'm going to speak for just a moment with your help on this, the prophetic day. The prophetic day. Would you lift your voices, and would you praise the Lord with me? God, I love you. I worship you, God. I praise you, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I, I bind every foul and unclean spirit. They're bound anyway. And Lord God, let the Spirit of God, oh Lord, be in this place tonight in a mighty, holy, precious way. Oh God, if there's anybody who came in here bound by fear, I pray, Lord, that you would drive the spirit of fear, Lord, to the deepest hell and bind it there in the name of Jesus. Lord, anybody who came here tonight, Lord, with coldness and indifference in their heart, Lord, or lukewarm toward God, I pray, Lord, that you would take that lukewarmness and indifference and spiritual coldness away as we race toward the rapture. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Be seated, and I will try to preach quickly. Lately, I have been led by the Holy Ghost to think about 
the prophetic time in which we live. I preached on this, uh, on this matter, the subject of where we are in Bible prophecy just a few months ago. And then again in Kansas, we preached on it, and the presence of God came down. Brother Cornwall was telling me that that service, God did something to his church and to the people of Wichita. Thousands, he said, of people have gone back and listened to that message on where we are in Bible prophecy. People were receiving the Holy Ghost in their homes and getting healed in their homes, and people were getting saved in the church building. It was just it's something that God is really speaking to us about, about where we are. And tonight, I come to you about the prophetic day. The Bible compares the time of creation to the morning. Remember when God was speaking to Job and, and uh, he said, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest or who has stretched the line upon it, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? And notice verse 7. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. What should have noticed that the Bible compares, and I'm just giving you one, there's more examples, but the Bible compares uh, uh, the morning to the creation. That was the morning of the prophetic day, when the morning stars sang together. Our Lord Jesus compared the time of his coming back for the church as midnight. He said, and at midnight there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. I'm amazed at how many times we forget where we are in Bible prophecy. And we begin to be like the proverbial ostrich putting our head in the sand and not realizing we are living in the climax of times. Ladies and gentlemen, don't get discouraged now. You're almost home. To quit now would be like to quit when you see the, the, the finish line is in sight. The coming of the Lord is so close. Don't quit. Kick Give it your best shot. You're on the final lap. And so Jesus said that on the prophetic day that his coming would be at midnight. When you read of Elijah confronting the worshipers of Baal, again the prophetic day comes into view. The Bible says that it came to pass when midday was passed. And they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Now, this is not just talking about a 24-hour day, but there's a prophetic day that's in view here. When midday was passed, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. In other words, there was a predominance. There was a, a, a lot of false religions and a lot of false doctrines and a lot of false teachers and they had their time and they prophesied of the time until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded and Elijah said unto all the people come near unto me notice 
It's the time of the evening sacrifice. And Elijah says, come near unto me. I'm going to tell you that there's a revival that's coming at the time of the evening sacrifice that the Lord God is calling us unto him. I know there's been troubles. I know there's been problems. I know we're seeing all kinds of difficulties in our world. But there's something coming that's even now upon us. It's the time of the evening sacrifice. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And this compares with Joel chapter 2. And all the people came near unto him. And notice what happened at the time of the evening sacrifice. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. There is a revival that is going to include a revival of prayer, a revival of communion with God, a revival of communication with God, a revival of willingness to sacrifice it all for God. And it comes at the time of the evening sacrifice when the power of God is saying, Come near unto me. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put wood, the wood in order, cut the bullock in pieces, laid him on the wood, said, Fill four barrels with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. They did it the second time. He said, do it the third time. They did it the third time. And the water ran around about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. Now, we have these vessels, this treasure, in earthen vessels. And I'm telling you, there is coming an outpouring of the Spirit at the time of the evening sacrifice that's going to fill these vessels. That trench was made out of dirt. That's what you're made out of. And he said, fill it up. Twelve containers of water. And were built upon what? The apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. These are not bedtime stories. These are stories that are filled with significance for the end time church. It's at the time of, of the evening sacrifice that there are trenches that are filled with water. Wait a minute. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living, living water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that the prophet came, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. And I prophesied to you in the name of Jesus that there is a revelation of who God is coming to our world right now. It's time. It's the time of the evening sacrifice. God is revealing himself at the time of the evening sacrifice. And this prayer that Elijah prayed was more than for his day. It was also for our day. He said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. Let it be known that I am thy servant. And people need to know who the people of God are. And God is going to reveal it in this end time. 
and that I've done these things at thy word. People have said, oh, you people do all this stuff. You shouldn't be doing that. But God's going to reveal not only who he is, but the lifestyle of living for God. And people are going to begin to realize that this is of God. Watch this. Here's another thing you can look forward to. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. It's at the time of the evening sacrifice that God's word through Elijah says, you've turned their heart back again. Again, this is a confirmation that God is ready to do a restoration work. That prodigal sons and daughters will be coming from the north, south, east, and west. And we need to be praying in the will of God. Every day from now on, we need to pray, restore, 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 restore. That's the will of God that we pray, restore. Verse 38, it was at the time of the evening sacrifice that verse 38 took place. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And I'm telling you, there's a baptism of the Holy Ghost in fire that's ready to fall like this generation has never seen, like our world has never seen. Praise God. It, all the things that we've been preaching about is right here in the story of the evening sacrifice in Elijah, the revelation of the mighty God, the revelation of who the people of God are, the outpouring of the water into the earthen trench and filling it up full. The outpouring of the fire, which is symbolic of the Holy Ghost and fire. And people having their hearts turned back to God again. Listen, I hate the pandemic. I hate COVID-19. I hate it with a passion. But I will tell you one thing. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are the called according to his purpose. And one thing that's going on, God is taking people's hearts and turning them back to him again. People are crying out to God and saying, God, I need something more than a religion. I need something more than just saying I belong to a certain church. I need a red hot experience with God. I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. People are receiving the revelation of God in their homes. Verse 39, and when all the people saw it, brother, I'm just going to tell you what God is doing, all the people are going to see. This is not something that's going to be done in a corner. We'll need the new building. There'll be a lot of people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because all the people saw it, and they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. So prophetically, I am teaching you tonight that we are living at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but it's late. It is so late that you might even refer to it as midnight. Everything that can be shaken right now is being shaken. Wichita got shaken yesterday in the morning with an earthquake. God is sending earthquakes in, in different, diverse, diverse places. God is getting people's attention. 
When he spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But he said next time, uh, he said uh, he would not only shake the earth, but the heavens too. God is sifting out everything without solid foundations. People who are not attaching themselves to God are going to fall away from God. Hear me. I don't want that to happen to you. You need to really get in, in prayer with God and be strong in your relationship because everything that can be shaken is being shaken right now. God is sifting out everything that doesn't have a solid foundation. Only unshakable things will be left. Are you with me? Hear me tonight. It's midnight in our world. It's midnight in our nation. It's midnight in politics. It's midnight in America. We've never seen anything like this in our lifetimes. Don't just bury your head. Start to pray like never before. It's midnight. There's rioting going on in our cities. It's midnight. Wildfires are burning. It's midnight. Our freedoms as Americans is being threatened. It's midnight. Perhaps in your personal life, you may have a family situation right now that you're grieving about and you need God to touch or, or maybe a health situation in your life, but God is able. The Holy Ghost inspired me to tell you that it's time for a midnight miracle. God is able. Matter of fact, Trials can seem like they're endless. And that's part of the reason some folks get depressed. It's because it seems like uh, there's no end to it. The devil likes to make you think that you're going to live in the valley of the shadow of death. Not the case. You're a child of God. You're not going to live there. You'll pass through there. You'll walk through there. But you'll never hang your hat there. You're a mountaintop dweller. Come on, I know you came to church tonight. Some of you are tired and others are distracted. But you need to lift your head, look up at the preacher, and let the word of God come into your heart. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Come on, shake your head, shake your shoulders, uh, sit up straight, listen to the word of God. I know it's midnight, but I believe that God is sending a midnight miracle. But for the miracle to come quickly, we need to do what Paul and Silas did. You want a midnight miracle? I know how to rush it. I know how to make it come to pass. Some people are waiting for it to happen. Some people are hoping it'll happen. But some people are going to make it happen. If you want to, you can sit, twiddle your thumbs, say, my, so many more died of COVID today. So many more got sick today. My goodness, isn't it terrible? This, that happened, and, and that happened. But inside you, there is a 6.2 liter gigantic horsepower engine, and all you got to do is touch the key, put it out in full wheel. And haul it out of there. And I know how to make it happen. When I begin to get a hold of God, it's important to me that this church not become just another religious group 
that we not become a church that just is pious and, and uh, we're religious and, and we try to tell the truth and we try to do the good things. That's all great. But we need to remember who we are. You've been called of God. Your name is Elijah. You may not realize it, but your name really is Elijah because Elijah means Jehovah is my God. You can start the engine. You can put it in four-wheel drive. You can smack it in gear, and you can stomp on the accelerator, and you can spread mud everywhere, but you're hauling out of that hole that you've been in. But as long as you're willing to sit there and put up with it, as long as you're willing to sit there and just wait, you'll be waiting until Jesus comes. But somebody's got to say, hey, wait a minute. Out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. It doesn't say if I feel good. It doesn't say when everything's going my way. It didn't say if my tongue he's not hurting. It didn't say if everything is just exactly the way I want. It said out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Somebody hit the key. Someone rev the engine. Somebody put it forward. You've got the Holy Ghost and it's time for a midnight miracle. You may be in prison. You may be in jail. Your back may be laid open so to speak. But begin to praise God and sing to the Lord. God's got a midnight miracle for you. I feel like coming in and grabbing one of you right by the throat right now. And shaking you to your teeth rattles. Because you're a guy that's got power, unbelievable power. And you haven't even turned on the engine yet. You're sitting there waiting for God to do something and God is saying... Bubba, I'm ready to work. Turn on the engine. Listen, if you're waiting to feel it, you're still in kindergarten. God's warriors don't wait to feel it. Matter of fact, God's not going to let you feel anything until you make that effort. I didn't feel so good when I came to church tonight, to be quite honest with you. I could have stayed home and said, my tummy's not feeling so good. But you know what? I've got people that I want saved. I want to make it to heaven myself. Uh, there's folks that, that I want to see delivered from bondage. Uh, I, I've, got to, I've got to believe that there's a midnight miracle. Hallelujah! Praise God. I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. There's a midnight miracle for you, Linda Vaughter. There's a midnight miracle for you, Piper. There's a midnight miracle for you, people sitting in this building. There's a midnight miracle for you, Amy. There's a midnight miracle for you. Hallelujah. And I know how to get it. I'm going to appropriate it right now. I'm going to be in the worship because he dwells. He abides in the praises of his people. God is not going to do your miracle without you being willing to participate in that miracle. 
At midnight, Paul and Silas sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. It's time for the prisoners to hear us. Sister Lodima, a longtime friend of our family, gone to be with the Lord now, driving down the road. But she was wholly apostolic, completely apostolic. And as she's driving down the road, she feels the leading of the Holy Spirit of God say, Lodima, stop the car, pull over to the side. She stops the car, pulls over to the side of the road. Lodima, go up and knock on that door right there. She goes up and knocks on the door. And when the person opened the door, she said, I, I've come to talk to you about the Lord. And that person began to cry and said, Lady, you don't understand. I was just getting ready to commit suicide. Before the, you knocked on the door, I was standing with a razor to my throat. Uh, but oh, because you stopped and you told me about Jesus. Hey, listen, folks, uh, we've got the power. We've got the power. It's time for a midnight miracle. We can't do this just sitting back. We've got to get a hold of God and believe God for the great midnight miracle that God has for us. Midnight miracles come suddenly. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened. Everyone's bands were loosed. I'm talking about the prophetic day. Midnight, great earthquake, prison shaken, doors opening, everyone's bands loosed. Immediately all the doors were opened, everyone's bands loosed when at midnight, everyone's bands, the things that restrain and, and bind and hinder had to let go. The bonds that have held you prisoner for so long shall be loosed. The weaknesses have faults and flaws that have been a thorn in your side are about to be abruptly and miraculously removed. It's going to be not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, Samson was a, he was a, a bad hombre. He did end it well, and he ends up in God's Hall of Fame. But even Samson gives us a prophetic word because the Bible says, and Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them bar and all and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of a hill that is before Hebron. When did he do it? He did it at midnight. There was a rising. There was a taking of the doors of the gate. There was a miraculous surge of strength. And the bonds that, that were binding him were loosed. Listen to me carefully. It was midnight when God delivered Israel out of Egypt. It was midnight when the plagues began to fall upon Egyptians. It was midnight in King Solomon's day when one mother attempted to deceive another mother by switching babies. And Jesus said about the end time, take heed that no man deceive you. It was at midnight when the cry came, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. And it's time, I'm telling you, for a midnight miracle. 
It was game six of the 1975 World Series. Boston needed to beat Cincinnati to force a seventh game. It was the bottom of the 12th inning at Fenway Park. The score was tied six to six. Finally, Carlton Fisk faced Pat Darcy, the eighth pitcher that the Cincinnati Reds manager Sparky Anderson used. Fisk took Darcy's second pitch and lifted a high drive down the left field line. The ball struck the foul pole well above the green monster for a walk-off homer. And Fisk, wildly waving his arms to the right after hitting the ball and watching its path while drifting down himself down the first base line as if he was trying to coax the ball to stay fair. And the ball indeed did stay fair, and Red Sox won the game and tied the series. And I feel like telling you right now, please don't lay your bat down. I know it's been a tight game, but right now you could hit, and God is ready to help you to hit a walk-off home run. Don't give up now. We're going to win this fight. We're going to win this battle. This is no time to lay down and quit. This is no time to get the sky. This is no time time to sit in church and play with your cell phone. This is no time to walk away from your prayer life. This is no time to start, stop talking in tongues. And this is no time to give up on your spouse who's backslidden right now. Are you hearing me? No time to give up on that loved one. No time to give up on that child. God's about to give you a walk-off home run. I'm coming to a close. I'm glad you explained that, Sister Marie. When the preacher says, I'm about done, they go, Whoa! Joe and Janice Stevenson's oldest son, Frankie, came home from first grade one day. He said, I don't feel so good. The doctor was not alarmed when they took him in, and the doctor said, I don't think it's anything serious. Some medicine was prescribed, and they thought he would be just fine in a few days, but, but Frankie was not fine. Not, not fine at all. The medicine worked for a few days, and then his symptoms became back violently, gagging, choking, vomiting. His small six-year-old frame was bathed in sweat and racked with convulsions. The next day, the doctor said he would like to speak to Frankie's parents, and he informed them that little Frankie had a, a case of acute nephritis, a terminal kidney disease. By 10 o'clock the next morning, the news was worse. Something during the night had caused Frankie's kidneys to fail. Tests showed Frankie's kidneys were so badly infected that no fluid would pass through them. Suddenly, the odds were not in Frankie's favor anymore. 
If his kidneys didn't start working within 48 hours, Joe and Janice were told to their amazement that their six-year-old would die. Joe and Janice were too shocked and upset to even talk about it. All afternoon they sat at Frankie's bedside watching, stroking his matted blonde hair, wiping his damp forehead. The stillness of the room was broken only by the beeps and blips of the machines monitoring Frankie's condition. Specialists would occasionally come, adjust a few tubes, make some marks on Frankie's chart, and then silently go. Late that evening after Frankie went to sleep, Joe and Janice went home. Friends were waiting with a hot meal, words of encouragement, a new, and news of a vast prayer chain that they had begun. Suddenly there came a spark of hope in that mama's eyes, and she said, I've turned Frankie's life over to God. I feel a real peace about what's going to happen, that God's will is going to be done. But her husband, Joe, wasn't buying it. He was angry. God's will, he snapped. What kind of God makes a little boy sick? He doesn't care. Joe waited until his wife, Janice, wasn't around. And when he was alone, he fell on the floor and he begged and he pleaded and he screamed at God. At one point, crying out, Who do you think you are? Why are you doing this? To my son, he's only six. Everybody says you're such a loving God. Well, why don't you show it? He yelled until he was exhausted. Finally, Joe pulled himself together and headed for the hospital. On the way to the hospital, though, something, something happened. In the car on the way, God spoke to him by his spirit. Joe said suddenly, God's presence filled his car and he heard God's voice gentle and reassuring. God reminded Joe that several years ago he had made a commitment to God and he had promised to trust God with his life and with his all. By the time Joe parked his car in the hospital parking lot, his heart was beating wildly. He sat in the car for a few moments, bowed his head, and he prayed two words. Forgive me. Joe walked into little Frankie's room, walked over to his bed, placed his shaking hands on where he thought Frankie's kidneys would be, and he prayed. And here's what he prayed. I got it in quotes. God, forgive me for my ego. If you will, heal my son. And if you won't, that's all right, too. I'll trust you. But please do either right now. In Jesus' name, amen. That was all. He said there were no lightning flashes, no glows, no surges of emotion, only the blip, blip, blip of the monitors. Joe sat down in a chair, picked up a magazine, began to wait for God's answer. He felt an assurance he was going to get an answer. Within moments, his eyes were drawn from the magazine to a catheter tube leading from little six-year-old Frankie's frail body, the tube that was supposed to drain fluid from his kidneys, but for nearly two days, it had been completely dry. But when Joe looked closely, a small drop of clear fluid formed, ran down the tube. Joe was transfixed, 
This was the most exciting thing he'd ever seen. Soon the drops were coming regularly, and God was saying to him, I am, and I care. When the nurse came in, she could hardly, hardly contain her excitement. She said, do you see this? Do you see this? She shouted, pointing to the collecting jar. This is more fluid than your son has secreted in the past 48 hours combined. A specialist came in, took one look at the collector and said, don't get too excited. False alarm. This fluid is way too clear. Anyone coming from a kidney is as, as infected as your little boys, their fluid would be cloudy. This fluid must be coming from somewhere else. But Joe and Janice knew God was doing a midnight miracle. They believed and they claimed that Frankie was well again. And by the next morning, more than 500 centimeters of the clear fluid had passed into the collector. Finally, the family doctor called Joe and Janice into his office. And I have written in front of me his exact words. I quote him, Joe, Janice, I think we have been privileged to witness an act of God. All the tests taken in the last two days not only showed no kidney infection, they show no sign that there ever was an infection. He continued, Frankie's blood pressure and blood poison levels have also dropped suddenly. And he ended his statement by saying, this is a definite miracle. You stinking spirit of fear and unbelief, I curse you and bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to lift up my voice and worship the Lord. I'm going to believe God for a midnight miracle. There's some things that, that doctors can't do, but I know the good physician, the great physician that can do all things. There's a midnight miracle for somebody. There's a midnight miracle that comes. Hallelujah. It doesn't have to be backed up by fact. It just needs to be backed up by faith. What's it going to take for some of you to come out of the stands of watching and get down into the amphitheater of worship and praise? What's it going to take for you to believe God for a midnight miracle? I pray you don't wait until things progressively get worse and worse. This is the time that the Holy Ghost says, believe God, praise God, pray unto God, believe God. Praise God. Pray unto God. This is the time to believe for a midnight miracle. For your miracle. Now by the authority of the word of God. I call upon the God of heaven and earth. To give these precious people who are listening tonight. A midnight miracle. I call upon the name of Jesus whom I have seen you do so many great things, sir. I've watched you open the blinded eye and unstop the deaf ear. I've watched you remove 
a tumor from a breast. I've watched you, oh God, do mighty things, healing cancer and all kinds of sicknesses. Lord, I've watched you take a man who had to crawl that day and heal him instantly in a service. And Lord, he walked out shouting and jumping and leaping and praising God. I've seen you do all kinds of things. Father, you are able tonight. I declare a midnight miracle. Is there anybody here tonight that would like to reach out and grab a midnight miracle is there anybody here tonight that would begin to praise come on you got to come out of your drunken stupor come on the devil's trying to wrap you in chains you can't let him do it it's time in the name of Jesus break out break out I know you don't feel it but you'll feel it when you make the effort Anybody here? God just showed me one of your loved ones. There's a person sitting here tonight that God just showed me the face of your loved one that needs to come to God with the midnight miracle. And if you feel it in the Holy Ghost, I think you ought to jump up and do something radical. If you don't want to do it for you, do it for him. Do it for her. Come on. You can do this. It's a midnight miracle you're looking for. If that little sick woman hadn't got off of her bed of affliction and crawled through the street, she would have died of her disease. You can't wait till you feel it before you act on it. Sometimes you got to get up when you're sick and begin to praise and worship God and touch the hem of his garment. For she said in her heart, I believe... If I could touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. I'm sorry, but I'm going to tell you something. It's amazing what you can do when you realize that you're in a jam you're not getting out of. I love my dad. My dad passed many years ago. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think of him. But my dad was a chain smoker, and he couldn't quit. He tried and tried and tried, and he couldn't quit. One day he got a sore throat, and it wouldn't go away. So he went to the doc, and the doc said, Mr. Stoops, after he examined him and tested him and run, I'm sorry, but you have cancer of the throat. My dad never smoked another cigarette. My God, I'm talking to somebody right now. We've convinced ourselves, uh, I can't do this. Uh, I'm just sitting here, and, and I'm just not the emotional type. And, and I, just don't, uh, I just don't have that deep walk with God that other people have. And, and I just don't feel like getting so emotional and so carried away. My God, when God builds you a prayer room, you'll pray as good as anybody in this place can pray. Wouldn't it be better off if we just said, I'm not waiting till the doctor comes uh, with that kind of a statement. I'm not waiting 
until the situation turns that dire. I'm going to worship the Lord now for a midnight miracle. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. How long has it been since you talked in tongues? How long has it been since you felt the move of the Spirit? How long has it been? Isn't it time for a midnight miracle? I'm done with you, 2020. I'm so sick of you, 2020. I thank God for what God did for us in 2020, but I'm so ready to move on to 2021. I'm believing God for a midnight miracle. I'm believing for healings and for signs and wonders. I'm believing that, uh, that there's going to be crutches and canes. They're going to be left here. I believe there's going to be eyeglasses. They're going to be left on the altar. I believe that God is going to do some things. There'll be some white canes that will be laid down and somebody will walk away saying, I see, I see, I see. But here's how it's going to happen. Somebody has got to get a hold of the horns of the altar and say, that's it. You've been destroying my family. You've been destroying my loved ones. You've been destroying my friends. Well, let me tell you something, Mr devil you're done you're through you're over with you're expired it's the time of the evening sacrifice you've had your day it's over now it's my day well we just gonna lay down and take it We're just going to rock on like we've rocked in the past years. Or is somebody going to accept the challenge tonight and say, that's it. You're not taking my daughter to hell, Mr. Devil. You just look, I'm going to look right in your beady eye. You're not taking my daughter to hell. You're not taking my son to hell. You're not doing it. You ain't big enough nor bad enough. You don't have the power to do it. God's got the power. And I'm appropriating it right now in praising and worshiping and praying and getting in the word. It's the time of the evening sacrifice. I want the anointing to get a hold of you, Brother Aaron, when you're preaching to the youth. I want tears to go streaming down your face and your mouth begin to stammer. I want God to begin to share with you the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to be apostolic. We're going to be more apostolic this year. I want God to get a hold of Joseph when he's standing there playing that keyboard and the anointing of God come upon his hands and you can literally see the glow of God as he's operating in the spirit. I feel like the Holy Ghost is ready to do something like we've never seen before. It's a midnight miracle. It's the time of the midnight hour. We got young men and young women, old guys and old ladies. It doesn't matter what age you are, that God is ready to use you. You can be a Simeon and be in the temple. Or you can be a Samuel and just about that tall. It doesn't matter. God can use everybody. Now, would you rise to your feet with me? Feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Boy, here we are. Here we are in 2020.
going into 2021. And we're going we're gonna to have a midnight miracle. I just told Brother Whitson, there's a 50-soul revival. In one series of meetings, 50 souls that God's going to fill with the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. God is going to do great and mighty things everywhere God's people will take a stand. And everywhere God's people will begin to radically praise and worship God. You know what's happened? The devil's trying to inject the church with Laodicea. And we can't let him do it. One more praise and then we'll go on. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I feel that of the Lord to pray for you in this manner right now. Father, I loose the gifts of the Spirit into these precious people. I loose prophetic dreams into these people. In the name of Jesus, I loose vision, Lord, into this people. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, the anointing of God doubled and then doubled again in the lives of this people. I pray in the night that the angel of the Lord would stir them and they would go in the living room and fall upon their face. And you would show them great and mighty things that they do not know. I pray, O oh God, in the name of Jesus, that you would make every one of us fishers of men. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus. See, your loved one, God wants to turn him into a dynamite for God. Close your eyes. I don't want anybody to see what's going to happen next. But God is showing somebody right now, a loved one, that he wants to turn into a dynamite keg for God. And I'm just going to ask you, if God shows you a face, that just where you're standing, if you just begin to leap or jump or wave your hand, whatever you think that guy's worth. If he's worth nothing, do nothing. But if you believe that God is going to save him, I'm talking to you. It's important that you do something right now. Go ahead and give God some kind of a praise for the person that God put in your head. Somebody, God put a picture of somebody in your head, and you need to do something radical. He'd do it for you if he was here and you were out there. He'd do it for you. Give God an exuberant praise for that loved one right now. Whoever it is that God's put it in your heart, give God an exuberant praise. And don't stand there and say it doesn't matter. It does matter. He's not heavy. He's my brother.
the weak and dying hands of a lost soul is reaching out for you right now. You don't realize it, but they are. And God has given you the power to reach out and take a hold of a hand and draw them out of the muck and the mire. Hallelujah. Praise God. I have loosed the gifts of the Spirit into somebody's life here tonight in a way that you have never seen before. Others have wa will walk out of here and they won't even know what happened. They didn't know what day of the week it is. But you are going to notice something mighty happening in your life. You're going to notice something tremendous happening in your life. Hallelujah. Praise Him one more time. We're almost done. We're doing good. I'm doing really good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. So a midnight miracle's coming. But it's coming especially for those who are going to activate it. Activate it with worship and praise. prayer. I'm going to ask a, a few of the warden ministers, elders, whoever. I got one, two, three, four, about six or seven, perhaps. I'm going to ask you to put gloves on and a mask. And the gloves are up here. And I think you already have a mask. And we're going to make it very safe for people to be able to feel comfortable taking communion, okay? We have gloves for you to put on. And you're going to hand them their glass and with the uh, gloved hand, I think you can also hand them a piece of bread. The gloves are in the box right there. Praise God. If you have aught in your heart against anybody, ask God to forgive you now before you receive communion. All right? It's very important. God's going to do another work in your life. Receiving communion, you know, is, is commanded by the Lord. He said, as often as you do it, you do this in remembrance of me. So it's very important that we realize I don't want anybody joking, laughing, talking around the building as we begin to go into communion. I want you to take this very serious. I don't want you to be scared of it. I just want you to be sincere and take it seriously. Okay, because it is a, a matter of remembering the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for us and his body that was broken for us. Brethren, as soon as you can, come stand in front of the pulpit, please. Bring a container. Okay, and since they have very sterile gloves on, they're going to hand you, and so everybody's not reaching in and touching the bread. Everyone just touches their own, okay? And that'll work great. All right. Praise God. Just stand around the front here, and if you would rise, everyone. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We have enough? All right. 
What I'd like to do is we'll stand around the perimeter like we always do. If you come and receive your cup and the piece of bread in remembrance of the Lord's blood and body. And then take your place and stand around the perimeter. And then we'll all do it at the same time. All right? So if we could, uh, let's just begin to form a line and come by. Get a piece of bread. Children, stay with your parents. If, you're, uh, if your parents are here, please uh, stay, stand with them in the, uh, in the line or your guardian, whoever it may be. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Devil's a liar. God is true. Thank you, Jesus. He was nailed to the cross for me. He was nailed to the cross for me. On the cross crucified for me he died. He was nailed to the cross for me. Children, stay with your families, please. He was nailed to the cross for me. He was nailed to the cross for me. Spread out around the building. On the cross crucified for me he died. He was nailed to the cross for me. Oh, he was nailed to the cross for me. He was nailed to the cross for me. Oh, on the cross crucified for me he died. He was nailed to the cross for me. Oh, he was nailed to the cross for me. He was nailed to the cross for me. Oh, on the cross crucified for me. Jesus died. He was nailed to the cross for me. Praise God. Praise God. Once you have your cup and your piece of bread, please uh, let's spread out a little bit. We don't need to stand body to body. Just kind of spread out and Let's spread all the way around the auditorium. That's good. We don't have to be stacked up toward the front. That's all right. Spread out. Go ahead. Go toward the back, if you would, please. And there you go. Let's put a little. You got plenty of room here. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, God. I love you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise God. Brother Gary, you got another cup there? Behind you. Thank you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Everybody keep your mind on Jesus. You're doing a great job. Everybody look this way. Hallelujah. You can also, you, don't have, you can come along over here too. You don't have to be stacked up. You've got plenty of room. You can come all the way to the pulpit if you want. All right. Does everybody have their bread? All right then. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, 
the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's participate with the bread and remember the body of Jesus that was broken for us. Lord, your visage was marred more than that of any man. And you were bruised for my iniquities. Lord God, thank you, Lord God, for bearing that pain upon the cross. Lord, when you said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Lord, you went through so much sorrow and pain, isolation. God, we can't even begin to imagine what you went through that day. Six hours on that cross. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. I want you to remember the blood of Jesus. Oh, Lord, I thank you for that cleansing, powerful blood. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice that you so willingly made at Calvary. The precious blood of Jesus. The powerful blood of Jesus. Oh, let that powerful blood now flow across each one of these precious people. Lord, let your precious blood flow, oh God. And I thank you, Lord, for the power, power, wonder-working power that's in the blood. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let there be a midnight miracle right now. A midnight miracle. Someone that just received communion. Let there be healing flowing down into their body, Lord. Healing, oh God, because of your precious blood that was shed. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. The blood of Jesus cover us, cover the state. Lord, cover the people of Maine, the people of Washington. Oh, God, the people of Vancouver. I pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you'd just like to put that... Somebody already collecting them? Oh, good. Okay, Brother Lawrence going around with a receptacle. Just throw it in there. And see, we were able to do this very safely. Thank you so much for being part of our New Year's Eve service tonight. I feel the presence of God. I know that God is doing great things. Those of you who are with us online, may the Lord bless you. 
I pray and give you a beautiful, most wonderful year. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Because I've seen the faithfulness